Hey, everybody, welcome to Ask Me Anything, where Pastor J.D. Greer answers your questions. I'm Matt Love, and we have got a bonus episode for you this week, so go ahead and check this out. How could God have ordained the Old Testament conquests? The Old Testament has places where God told Joshua or Moses um, to wipe out an entire city, and that included kids, and you're like, that just it seems unfair. Okay, this can be a little bit hard to get your mind around, but let me try to be, be brief here, okay? First, we live in a cursed world, and that means we all experience the effects of sin. We're not supposed to always think of particular calamities as retribution for particular sins that we've committed. The curse of death is over all of us, and that's because we've all participated in the rebellion. So when a bad thing happens to somebody, you don't say, oh, that bad thing happened because that you did that there. No, we all live under the curse and things happen somewhat indiscriminately. We just live in a cursed world and there's death all around us. So even the supposedly innocent people that suffered in those conquests, ultimately we're not innocent because we've all participated in the rebellion of sin. You say, yeah, 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 but, but wait a minute. Those children in those cities that died, they hadn't committed sins that would make them worthy of God's you know, particular judgment. Right. I mean, I get that, but we also recognize, don't we, that sin has a communal dimension to it. I mean, it's hard for Americans to get their mind around this, but it's true. Sin has a communal dimension, and the sins of the father, for example, affect the children. If a man is unfaithful to his wife, his kids, who are innocent of that unfaithfulness, his kids suffer. If I embezzled money and I got caught, my family would suffer. My church would suffer. And, you know, they'd suffer even though they were innocent of my particular crime. And that's because sin has communal dimensions. What some people in society do, particularly the leaders, affects everybody in the society. And so in these conquest wars, you've got an entire city, an entire society that's suffering the effects of the sin, particularly of the leaders. Now, God makes clear in other places that ultimately the innocent are not going to be held accountable for the sins of others. Uh, he says that in Ezekiel, for example, the child will not be held ultimately responsible for the sins of the father. And what that means is that in eternity, which is what really matters, God will not hold these kids accountable for what their parents did. And when you consider the length of eternity, what somebody experiences in eternity makes anything they go through down here in life rather insignificant. Life life is like a wisp of smoke compared to the length of eternity. So so any pain those innocent kids suffered while they were, were living is insignificant compared to the glory of what they're going to enjoy for eternity. You see, from God's perspective, you can kind of see it like he was just collecting those babies and those children early and will repay them manifold greatly in eternity. You know, one other thing I, I do want to emphasize here, these conquests were a unique command given to Israel by direct revelation. Nobody today could claim they were doing this for God. We would know that that was wrong and unjust. Let me close this kind of question because it's a difficult question. Let me close this question with this thought. The main question whenever you struggle with something of faith is, is Jesus who he says he is? Because if Jesus is who he says he is, then that means that he is what God says he is. And one of the things he says is that God is just and fair. And even when we don't quite understand everything about the fairness and justice of God, we can accept because of Jesus' resurrection that it is fair and just, even if I don't have the vantage point to see everything clearly yet. I, if you'll allow me one quick analogy, when I um, was in school, when I took geometry, you know, geometry is a different kind of math because, you know, instead of giving you the problem like an algebra and you have to work out the answer, they actually give you the answer and you have to come up with a problem. It's called proof. 
I remember the first time my geometry teacher gave me a, a proof. Um, you know, here's the the answer. Go back and come up with the the reasoning steps to get there. I was convinced you couldn't get there. I was like, there's no way to there's no way to work down to get to this conclusion. So I come in all you know bothered the next day. You can't prove this and. She very patiently would draw it on the board and she'd point out like, oh, you forgot about the transitive property of equality. Like, oh, the transitive property of equality. Of course, forgot about that. Um, Eventually, I started to trust my teacher that even though I didn't know all the steps and the reasoning how to get to this conclusion, I knew the conclusion was correct, even if I couldn't quite figure out all the steps to get there. I kind of think about eternity that way and about truth. I, I say, you know, I know that God is just. I know that he is more fair, has more integrity and righteousness than I ever will and more compassion. I can't understand certain things like why he did certain things in the Old Testament. But just because I can't understand all the the logical reasoning doesn't mean that I reject the conclusion. The resurrection of Jesus means that God is fair and he is just and more compassionate than we'd ever realize. And so faith means learning to accept some things that I can't understand based on what I can understand. And what I can understand is that Jesus is Lord and he resurrected from the dead. And so my faith has found a resting place. And that resting place is in the character of Jesus and in the resurrection. I mean, I understand everything there is to know about why God did this or that in the Old Testament, why he didn't. But what I know is that when I get to eternity, I'm going to join all the angels and all the rest of creation singing the song of Moses, Revelation 15. Just and true are your ways, O Lord. You alone are holy. And I know that because my faith is in a Savior who died for me and resurrected, and I can trust Him. Thanks for listening. Hear more on this topic from 12 Truths and a Lie, Answers to Life's Biggest Questions by clicking on the link in the show notes below or listening wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll see you next time on Ask Me Anything. Ask Me Anything.